Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. for that beat drop. I forgot how it went. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right, everybody, get the tinfoil hat. Make sure nobody's listening to you all across the board. We are here for the conspiracy theories. I know Kyle Bailey was talking about this after the weekend that we saw in the NFL where there were some bad calls. There was some bad officiating. It led people to wonder whether the NFL is rigged. Here's Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk discussing he understands as to why people might think the NFL is rigged. And I think that's the thing that's got the Bengals fans most upset. They feel like there wasn't consistency. They feel like the Chiefs got the benefit. And I've got so many emails already. It's just one of those moments where people think, you know, it, it gives credence to the tinfoil hat crowd. People think they wanted they wanted the Chiefs to win. So they helped the Chiefs win with some of the crazy stuff that happened. And fueling it was that effort to give the Chiefs an extra third down earlier in the fourth quarter. Right. That's the thing. Even though, thankfully for the league, that drive didn't end in any yeah. points. Right. That's the kind of thing that makes people think the fix is in. That do-over was really bad. That was the one, I think, if you're to attribute one call to that crowd that Mike Florio just referenced, that do-over was it. And so even if you didn't believe it was going on, people had a hard time understanding Arian Foster on the Macro Dosing podcast (laughs) with pro football commenter, the exact antithesis of one Mike Florio. And this is what Arian Foster had to say about the schedule being rigged. It's funny, before we started taping, uh, Arian was telling me about how the NFL is rigged and how every year he used to get a script. Yeah. Day one of training camp that would get mm-hmm. dropped off at his locker. Mm-hmm. And you would have to, you know, it was like week one, you'll do this. Week two, you're going to have a hamstring injury. Week three, this is going to happen. Yeah. Week four, you're going to get three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And so then you just have to, did you memorize those before the season started? Or would you go and rehearse the script before every game? Uh, we were really dedicated to it. So it was more so like um, that's what practice was about. It was about practicing the script. Like this is what goes on and this is what we have to do mm-hmm. in order to. Yeah. And this referee is going to miss this call. Because yeah, they hate you. Yeah, and you yeah. The Colts, <laughs> yeah that sort like, of thing. Uh, WWF, so it's like, yeah, know, we know what's going to happen, but you still got to put on a show. <sighs> I mean, what, what's great about this soundbite is that nobody knew what to make of this soundbite for so long. One, the jokes, the quote tweets, the replies have been phenomenal from NFL players, oh God, from yeah. NFL pundits. I mean, people really showed out with their jokes, and Twitter was a great place to be. And oftentimes it's not, but Twitter was a great place to be with some of the tweets and the jokes that were coming in. <laughs> so Arian Foster is being very dry and very sarcastic with this soundbite. I just want people to have the actual truth. Some people might believe the NFL is rigged. Some people might actually believe that. But Arian Foster was fooling, and everybody thought he was actually being real here. What do you make of the conspiracy? By the way, real quickly, I don't remember this music being so clubby. 
Yeah, I think this is one of those. You know, on YouTube, sometimes you go looking for a beat. It's not the actual beat. It's something, somebody <laughs> yeah. that kind of did their own Correct. version That's of it. That's a million what times. Like. Yeah, it sounds like it could be going on at a club here in Charlotte. Yeah, man. So... <laughs> When I first heard it, I was like, man, because, you know, Aaron Foster has always been an outspoken guy, He's guy that's not afraid to say what's on his mind. So at first I was like, man, because I told you the other day, I have seen videos on YouTube about this very topic. The fact that the season is scripted and everything is already, you know, in place for what's going to happen. So when he said it and the way that he said it, I'm like, well, Aaron Foster always has kind of been a, a different kind of cat that will say things that people don't want to be said i feel like those are that's one of those things though that if it were true uh they're not gonna find you if you were to unveil a truth like that i think that they're gonna get you out of here <laughs> yeah well you're you're saying the nfl would have done something oh, to the Arian powers Foster. that be if, if that were true the powers that be they, they get you out of here if you expose something that big like they'll get you out of here the, the fact that you can you imagine though like seriously can you imagine if you're an nfl player Going to your locker and then finding a screenplay. Right. <laughs> and Roger and Goodell is that, the play. If right. you go 70, 80 plays, you have to memorize what you're supposed to do on every one of those plays. Like, as if when they go to the sideline on the little uh, mm-hmm. computers, they're showing them, all right, on this play, you remember you're supposed to do this, so do that. But um, other than that, though, on a more realistic aspect, though, when you watch like the bad sport documentary about the kid from Arizona state who did the point shaving, when you watch the Tim Donahue documentary, you hear about the things that he said that happened. Uh, I have no doubt there's some fire to the smoke that things happen during games to influence outcomes. I'm not sure if it's every time or how often it is, but when you hear uh, some of these stories, because for people out there, the bad sports series on Netflix is excellent. They have a ton of different stories from all walks of sports, but the one uh, about the kid from Arizona State was fantastic when he talked about how he was point shaving in the 80s with his teammates. The feds got involved. I mean, it was it was wild. So it does let you know that, yeah, there's something going on when you're watching the game and there's some underworkings uh, that are happening. You look at some of the big NFL calls, Rams, Saints come to mind. You know, there have been some calls where you just like, how could they miss such egregious calls? Well, that, that's the thing. There's there's a lot to this where it like I, I want to get into our favorite conspiracy theories because I think that would be a lot of fun. Please text in the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. We are going to try to read all of the best ones unless there's an influx and that I'm trying to keep up with it. Sometimes it happens, but we're going to try to stick with all of the fun ones here again. 704-570-9610. But that's the thing about this is is the rigged definition probably gets misconstrued all across the board. Because if you're trying to say that the NFL is rigged or the MLB, the NBA, that it's actually rigged, then to me, if you're going to call it that and give it that title, it has to come from the actual entity itself. And I don't think that I, I don't know what people think, but the NFL is not out here really given a script like that. No, you, you have to have some real interesting subplots. And then when we get to your instance that you bring up the Arizona state player, you know, that was not college athletics or the NCAA trying to make sure that everything was rigged out here. You might've had some officials, a part of it as well. I've not the seen mob. the documentary, but the mob. Yes. So like, that's what happened with the black Sox scandal with Shulis Joe Jackson. And then all the other players being banned from the hall of fame because they threw the world series, even though Shulis didn't, that's a separate sports debate. But when you have that, it's not like the MLB is out here trying to rig it. And then when we get to the NBA, 
The NBA certainly did not want that publicity with Tim Donahue, but you're getting involved in gambling. Tim Donahue has a door into some type of power structure to influence games. And so you could talk about the official being somewhat rigged. And then Donahue, you know. Do the partnerships, not to cut you, I just want to add No, that you're good. Comment. Do the partnerships with the, with the gambling places make you think a little bit now? Does that maybe make you feel like there might be some things because for so long so many sports were so against it and now they're all in bed with all of these gambling entities well well the thing the thing i i think actually with that i think it's the exact opposite the reason i think that is because i think that leagues want this to be as fair as possible because if there's any fishy business right think about it if you're a gambler Wes. think about it if you want to put some money in on this and you're trying to think okay Am I going into something completely fair or am I going into something that's rigged against me? Then it's a bad business model. Like if you want to talk about actual rigged conversations, there's got to be a reason to do it. You're not just going to do it out here willy nilly or else you have no ground to stand on. There's got to be incentive. So if you're talking about having these gambling venues that you're a part of now, that you're in bed with as the NFL, as the NBA, then you want this to be as fair as possible so you don't get your hands dirty. Like, if you're a gambler, why would you want to be a part of that? If it comes out, like, nah, man, I'm not dealing with the NFL. That thing is dirty as hell. No, thank you. I think it's the exact opposite. Once you get money involved, there are a lot of eyes on you. Like, there's a lot of things that come your way that you have to be a part of legislation. You got to try to figure out everything, and you got to make sure that your hands are as clean as possible. So I actually think it's the exact opposite, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that's a good theory that you bring up, and I guess I've never thought of it that way. I guess I'm more so think of it as just, there are things that go on behind the scenes that we'll never know about. We talked about the mob and when you talk about gambling and who could be in bed with who and politicians and just going way up the chain. We're going way out there uh, with it. this thing. <laughs> but I mean, because it is wild to me sometimes how Vegas can be so right. Like how they can just be so right about games. I mean, you think it's going to go one way and then it ends up being exactly what the spread is going to be. Or it ends up exactly going how uh, the game was predicted to go in in Las Vegas. So, you know, some of those type of things make you think too. So I, I'm certainly a believer that there's some smoke to the fire that things go on behind the scenes that we'll never know about. And, you know, because you're talking about this stuff happened back in the eighties and to get the guy's name, right. His name was actually Steve Smith to be exact from Arizona. And I mean, he was a baller. This was a dude that was a walking bucket and his teammate, Isaac Burton, man. And, um, so when you look at that all the way back then, and, and I'm sorry, it wasn't the 80s. It was 1994, to right. be exact. So you know that if it was going on in, in the 90s, obviously, and on a smaller scale, it's like a, uh, Arizona State. Like, you know there's things going on on a bigger scale. Like outside influences is what you're t- – right? Because yeah, what, I mean, what- there's stuff going on, man. So, yeah, but but you don't you don't necessarily think it's coming down from Goodell, or you don't think it's coming down from Adam See, Silver. I'm not 100% putting it past it. Okay. I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm all the way in saying that they are, mm-hmm. but I'm not all the way in saying that they're not because it's just always stuff that just goes on behind the scenes that we just that we're not privy to. It's like government files. Uh, if we saw some of the stuff that's probably in those files, 
it make make your we, hair curl. We need Nicolas Cage to go get the President Book of Secrets. That's what I'm saying. Locked if we away. saw some of the secrets that this country holds, we would probably just be. I mean, you your skin would probably go cold. Yes, we we need to figure out if there is a treasure map behind the Declaration of Independence, and need to figure out all of the super <laughs> secret conspiracy. You look at Wall. You see Wall. You see what he's doing. Well, that's. Well, I know. Doing? Well, well, Fiddy, I know that you were talking about this too. Like you don't necessarily think it's coming as we talked about in the pre-show. It's not like you think Roger Goodell has a script for these people, but you think there's something smelly that can go on every now and then. Oh, absolutely. Because, look, it's happened in Major League Baseball. It's happened in the NBA. Um, I don't think people care enough if it happened in hockey. Are we we so naive to believe that the NFL shield itself was too powerful to where it wouldn't happen in the National Football League? Like, what do you think the NFL wanted for its Super Bowl? Did it want... Kansas City versus Philadelphia to have its first uh, Super Bowl two black starting quarterbacks. Andy Reid facing its former team. Look at all those storylines. Or do they want Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals going against Philadelphia? On the what flip if 49ers side, with a four-string quarterback? Or on the flip side, had the Niners made the Super yeah. Bowl, they would have wanted Cincinnati in there. That way they could recreate that classic Super Bowl from the 1980s. So you do think it's coming from Roger Goodell? No, I, I don't think it's straight from Roger Goodell himself. There's too many people involved to where he could be kept out of the loop of what's going on if something fishy are, is going on. I love we are we are deep into we the weeds there, on baby. this. We are we deep into the there. weeds. All right, so we have a couple of these. I'm trying to get. To, I've got my favorite one. All right, what's your favorite one, Fiddy? If you got one, my guy from Brady from Waxall said my favorite conspiracy theory. And I've told you guys about this. Has got to be the one about Antarctica is a portal to another dimension. Dimension meaning wow. hollow Earth. There is a whole nother universe that does exist in the center of the Earth. Mm-hmm. There, so that's your favorite one of all conspiracy theories. It is that there is hollow Earth. Is there people that live in this hollow Earth? I don't believe in it, but it's my favorite. Yeah, I ain't one talking to, to you. Any smart at you, man? He trying to patronize you, Fiddy. No, yeah. Fiddy, Fiddy brings this up. <laughs> Fiddy brought it up. I'm laughing because you're laughing as well. It's a great conspiracy theory. Also, my guy Vernon texted in about the Titanic that that, that it sunk. You were in this in the fishbowl yesterday with KB, and it wasn't the actual Titanic that sunk, folks. That's the theory, right? That's the theory Let's that's happening. The I want some sports. Go well, okay. Want. So, so one, um, some, of, some of the ones I believe I can't say. I catch too much heat for. This one states fan said the refs versus NC State since 1990. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, TC wrote in something that could apply to everyday life. Walker is trying to keep this topic on track, and it's absolutely hilarious. This, this, such is my life. Um, Vernon, you wrote that one in. There was somebody that asked me, and I'm sorry, I'm not giving you credit. I'm trying to find your name. Someone asked me, they would love to hear my thoughts on the 2012 NBA draft. And that's exactly the one I'm going to. The 2012 NBA draft, where the Charlotte Bobcats came off of a 7-59 season. It's the worst winning percentage of all time in NBA history. And the NBA-owned team gets the generational prospect in Anthony Davis. And, oh, here you go, Charlotte. You get Michael Kidd Gilchrist. We still had to screw it up. Because Bradley Beal was there for the taking, tanking is what we decided to do, uh-huh. and we got MKG. And I actually like MKG, so uh-huh. it's 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 tough. I hate to see it happen the way it did. But yes, that is one. If you wanted me to subscribe to this type of stuff, that would be it. Taking away Anthony Davis okay. from my favorite and team. And Panther fans, I'm going to put it all the way out there. How, how could we skip over the Super Bowl? I saw uh, Dick Gregory, who was um, a famous uh, African-American 
uh, I don't even know what to call it, activist and different things like that. But he was a big conspiracy theorist, too. And he, he died of old age. And But I saw him once on a video specifically say that this Super Bowl was fixed. And he did say a lot of things that were true. He was not a guy that just talked out of his behind. Mm-hmm. And he said that his, his words... I'm not exact, but he said that boy could run like a god when he was talking about Cam Newton. But, but I mean, that game, Cam not jumping on the fumble, so that wait, was weird. So, so I am here for Roger Goodell or whoever is the middleman between Goodell and the players uh-huh. to tell Cam, hey, I'll give you a lot of money if you find a way to throw this game. So you can we, buy more grandma outfits. Oh, yeah. Foxtails, Crocodile, Dundee hats. I mean, they had a great... That Denver defense was superb. One of the best, uh, you know, of my generation for sure. But, I mean, that game, like I said, the, the, the Cam not jumping on the phone, but that was a big one. But I'm sure there are some Panther fans that probably thought that that game might have been a little bit uh, tampered Well, with. and the Jericho Cotchery not catch. That was the one that yeah. a lot of people will subscribe to as well. By the way, also... Do we think that Paul Tagliabue gave a little something to John Casey to send that kickoff out of bounds and set up Tom Brady to be the well, GOAT? When you talk about the Patriots, I remember my uncle used to swear that when they won the first championship the year 9-11, he said that that was, that that was in the in the work. I'm sorry, I got really distracted with some He was saying my uncle had said that the Patriots <laughs> went in the Super Bowl the year 9-11. Okay. He said that he didn't think that that was a coincidence. Be- because they're named Patriots? The and- Patriots and all the things okay. that come with it, them winning it the year 9-11. All righty. Oh, well, let's... We can we can try to dissect some of these conspiracy theories <laughs> coming in. Some of them I'm not going to touch because they're pretty. Did you see some yeah, of the ones yeah, I'm some talking about? Yeah, some of them I can't go into oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I love it. And you <laughs> said this segment didn't have 13 minutes of life. It did once I adapted oh, to we it. We could do a once whole I show alter- on this. Once I altered it, it did. All right, that's well, uh, Wes. I said Wes Welker. almost did. It's <laughs> Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. More Panthers conversation coming up next. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us. Make sure you text us via the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. We're talking about the Carolina Panthers. I did want to get to some of these conspiracy theories that you guys wrote in because some of them were fun. Crown Club tweeted at me 2012 NBA draft, and that was the most popular one mentioned to me was the 2012 NBA draft with the NBA team owning the Pelicans, them getting the generational product that is Anthony Davis. So that was the most popular one. This one's my favorite one, though. Vernon wrote in. He he had the one that was your favorite, right, Fiddy? Vernon did with the other conspiracy theory you threw out there? About the Titanic? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, so there you go. So this one is, my sports conspiracy is Wilt's 100-point game never happened. They needed a superstar And that game created it. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love it so much is because there is no footage of Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points. It's nothing we've ever seen. All we have is him in a black and white picture holding up on a piece of paper 100. And that's all you have. I love that one. That's like my favorite sports conspiracy theory that somebody has thrown in here to the text line. So, again, you can message us all you want to. Feel free to send in some more ideas that you have. 704 
570-9610. All right, so we got some staffing rumors and confirmations here for the Carolina Panthers. I wanted to talk about it a little bit yesterday, but we really didn't get to it as much. But it is reported that Chris Tabor, special teams coach, is going to be retained, a part of Frank Reich's staff, and also James Campen, the offensive line coach, that also a lot of people saw it and thought highly of, especially with the improvement that this offensive line made under James Campen. Seems like both of those guys are going to be back. Now, Frank Reich did talk about this on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. Go check out that interview, WFNZ.com, right off the top of the show. Kyle and Frank were talking a little bit about Carolina and, of course, his uh, his introductory press conference. And Frank did not want to talk about it because it wasn't official yet. But eventually, we know it's going to happen. Both of these guys are going to be retained. And I like this, Wes. I do think that having the special teams coach, that it's been a struggle for special teams for Carolina. So I'm glad that they have Chris Tabor back. And, of course, the offensive line, the way that they improved, I love that they have James Campen reportedly coming back to Carolina. And now you got to figure out who your defensive, your offensive coordinator is going to be. But I really like some of the guys they kept on staff. Yeah, they did. The special teams was uh, rated fourth. And I know the offensive line was, uh, according to PFF, they finished the season 15th. So a uh, middle of the pack. But that was a big improvement from where they were. Absolutely. So if you're going to keep two guys, those would be two of the guys that you want to keep to keep that continuity going on with those units so that they can continue to perform at their best. Yeah, and and especially if you look at special teams rating fourth, that is pretty bananas. And the reason it is because you look at Matt Rule being named head coach. Remember when Matt Rule got the job, he just cleaned the entire slate, except for like two coaches. Mm -hmm. And one of them I didn't really understand. And it was Chase Blackburn keeping his job as special teams coordinator and their special teams under Chase Blackburn had not been good at all. Yet that was the guy Matt Rule retained. Now, I don't know if there was any overlap in their Giants days, so maybe I, I we can get our research team on that as well. So I, I don't know if that's actually the reason why, but it wasn't because of the way that special teams is playing at that point. This is the reason that you keep Chris Tabers because they rank top five. And this is not something that we are used to here in Carolina. And the offensive line, it's funny, they're average by pretty much damn near the literal definition. They're an average offensive line, according to PFF. You also have a rookie left tackle that wasn't amazing last year. He's very good, and we have we can have different evaluations of him. Mm -hmm. But even with a rookie left tackle, to have an offensive line that can hold its own and at least give you a fair evaluation of your quarterback, I thought that meant a lot. So, so far, so good. Like it, I, I go back to the environment thing I talked about in the first hour. I like the environment that this team is starting to set up for the future. You got to continue to, you know, continue to keep trucking on it. And we'll figure out if, if that can actually take place for a, a playoff contender. But right now, I like some of the moves that they made in the very, very short time that we've had this offseason. Yeah, and you think, too, a lot of times with NFL that coaching staffs don't really matter as far as continuity goes. And you think that, uh, you know, these guys are pros and they can just roll with the punches or whatever. But continuity is important, keeping your staff together. So, uh, as we said, with these two units being uh, continuing to ascend, this was uh, great for them. Uh, to keep these guys on staff. All right, let's get to some Frank Reich sound. And Fiddy, I know we did not get to a couple in the keep sounding segment. I did want to start there and go back to a couple of them that we did not get to. Of course, offensive coordinator is going to be a big deal. I just don't think that offensive coordinator is going to be calling plays. But here's what Frank Reich talked about when he discussed the ability to generate chunk plays and talking about how a vertical passing game is important. 
You have to get the ball vertical down the field. You have to get chunk plays. It's hard to go 14 play drives all the time. You got to get the you got to get chunk plays down the field. And that's that's something that's refreshing to hear because we were so worried about only being a part of some kind of run concept and not playing off of that. And I do like hearing the fact that you can get chunk plays in this offense that he values that you got to take care of the quarterback position in order to help that out. But I do like that. That's a part of his philosophy. Yeah. You like that. And again, those are things that sound hot, you know what I'm saying? Until we see it out there on the field uh, as well, but you do want that offense that is going to be balanced. That is going to attack teams on the ground and be able to attack vertically. Like you said, and I think it's, you know, you can make a lot of it saying that, you like that he's going to have an offense that attacks vertically, but, I mean, isn't that what he's supposed to do? I mean, in the offense, supposed to be able to attack vertically? I mean, you think that, right, based off Oh, there's a lot of coaches that want to ground and pound. <laughs> I mean, this is what we, we've talked about that quite a bit. I, yes, yes, you are supposed to say that, in my opinion. I don't know if that's the opinion of everybody else. I mean, I, I like some of the stuff that he talked about, you know, as far as what you want your offense to be. But it's not all about offense, right? I, I asked you about the NFL draft and whether they would have a specific angle and what they wanted to attack, whether you thought it was going to be an offensive heavy draft or defensive heavy. Mm-hmm. We saw this a couple of years ago when they spent every single one of their seven draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. And what happened was they had some nice core pieces. I mean, Jeremy Chin, I believe, was a part of that. Derek Brown, so you got a couple um you know, different very varying measures of success based off of that draft as well. But you still want an opposite pass rusher of Brian Burns because you decided not to sign Hassan Reddick long term. You still need some linebacker play. I don't know if you're going to move Jeremy Chin up closer to the box. I don't know what happens with um, whatever defensive coordinator comes in. So I don't know what their philosophy is going to be there. But you still have some defensive pieces to put in. And here's Frank Reich talking about how even with some of those Uh, needs on that side of the ball it's still a very strong point of the squad I think the defense has been obviously a real strong suit been top top level defense but we're always looking to get better here's what a top five defense gives you an opportunity to do top 10 defense is going to give you a chance in every game but a top five defense is what really can elevate you that you can not only be in every game but you can find a way to win every game when you've got a top five defense I, I don't think they are crazy far away, right? I mean, you got they're not special. We saw some problems last year, but we also saw some very nice performances from that side. Brian Burns is a good pass rusher. You probably want a little more consistency. You probably want him to show up in bigger moments and in, in, in throughout the course of the season. But overall, we like Brian Burns. Uh, Frankie Luvu, what he did last year. Breakout season for Frankie Luvu on a good contract. Chin, I mean, hot and cold. I had an excellent rookie year. Didn't build off of that. And I think Panthers fans recognize like Jeremy Chin, we like him, deserves a spot on the football team and as an impact player. It's just when he is within your front eight, he seems to be better. And then when he's playing safety, coverage is where he really struggles. And he struggled really his entire NFL career when it, even if it's a, a tight end coming out, um, you know, coming out for a pass, Jeremy Chin has struggled in those areas. So I, I, there are still some some needs there, but I do think that they're they're clearly still emphasizing that side of the ball, and it's something that historically has been the strong suit of Carolina. Yeah, it always has been, and so I think with this defense, they need to find some tweaks, but there's not 
major glaring issues over there like they have on the offensive side. And even the offensive side, it's not totally glaring. But like I said, you've got to find a number two receiver. And then in this league, you want to find a number three receiver. You want to find a slot. I know Shai Smith, uh, he made some plays at times, but you want to be able to put together a very dangerous receiving core. I don't know that Shai Smith and Terrence Marshall are the two and threes that are going to strike fear uh, in opponents. And also, especially if you're going to have a rookie quarterback, you're going to want to find a uh, a pass-catching tight end. There's going to be dynamic over the middle and all over the field. Maybe you don't you know, hit on a guy with the level of play of a Kelsey or a Kittle or one of those type of guys, but you still need to find somebody that is going to be a threat. Uh, And then in the running game, it just depends on how you feel. I don't know how much Deontay Foreman will command this offseason. And then you still have Chuba Hubbard on rookie money. So you've got two solid backs. But if you want that guy that's going to be all-encompassing, that can be the dynamic guy in the backfield and also in the receiving game, then you may have to take a flyer on a draft pick on a on a running back in that department as well. And then the offensive line is not a finished product. Like we said, 15 is not one. 15 is not top five. 15 is not top 10. So you may want to snag a couple of guys in there as well that you see some potential in. Well, and something I think that will pick up steam as the offseason goes on, it's the fact that Austin Corbett suffered an ACL injury. Yeah. And Austin Corbett was a big part as to why you trusted this offensive line. Is he going to be ready to go at the beginning of the season? Is he going to be ready to go after the first month? What is his rehabilitation time? And even if he comes back... Is he going to pick it up right where he left off, or is he going to take some time? That That's a big deal, man. And, and I'm hoping that James Campen, whoever is going to be a free agent acquisition, I'm hoping that that offensive line can pick up where they left off and even improve, especially if we expect a young QB to be behind this offensive line that we're talking about. Just to update everybody on the amount of picks Carolina has in this 2023 NFL draft, They have the ninth overall selection. We'll see what that turns into. So that's the only first rounder. They have two second rounders. They have their own. And then they have San Francisco's second rounder. They also have San Francisco's third round pick. They have their own fourth round pick. They have the 49ers fourth round pick. And they have their own fifth round pick. So that's seven selections in the first five rounds. And that's a lot to work with. So it didn't used to be this way. Before you traded Chris McCaffrey, but now you got some selections to work with. It gives you flexibility. And Wes, we've seen Scott Fitter operate like this a couple of times now here in Carolina, where he loves flexibility in the NFL draft. It's exactly what they did in Seattle. He bit off that style and brought it to Carolina. I like that philosophy overall. Like it doesn't mean that he's hit on every draft pick, but I do like the philosophy of moving up and down, getting your guy, acquiring more picks so you can parlay that into going in to get your guy. I do, for the most part, like the way he operates. He probably needs to have a better hit record, though, in this draft selection process. Well, that comes off the back of the strength of your scouting department. Right. And that gives you the ability to be able to move up and down because if you have guys that are really doing their due diligence and they're telling you, no, this is the guy we need, and you get close to a consensus or a consensus on said guy, then you need to go get him. You need to listen to your scouting department. You need to listen to what the tape is telling you. And if you see guys that are going to make a difference because that's what the draft is all about, trying to find difference makers. Because let's just say you have a normal allotment of seven draft picks We know only probably three of those guys are going to be on your roster after a couple of years. So you want to be able to hit on at least three draft picks that are going to either be big special teams contributors and or starters. And especially out of those first two picks, you want 
multi-year starters out of your first couple of draft picks. That's the optimum for that. So to move up and down, as long as you're making good picks, it makes sense. AJ wrote in the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. I think Terrace would be great as the number three and playing in the slot like he did at LSU. And so maybe they use one of these draft picks. Second round, second round receivers can hit right away. Like second round receivers can come in and really provide a big impact for your team. So that would be great. There's some guys out there too available in some deals. Uh, I know I have brought up before maybe the potential of how Panther fans would maybe feel about going after DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, how many picks would you be willing to give up for DeAndre? Like, that that seems like a very we're-ready-to-win-now move. I, I don't know if I would be that aggressive. You think you would, though, if you're running the I team? don't think he's going to cause that much. He's been so injured the last yeah. couple of years, and then when you talk about the kind of off-the-field stuff with the performance enhancers, so you probably can get him at a fairly moderate price. Um, another texter wrote in, 704, uh, 704 number, said that we have to resign Bradley Bozeman. And I think going back to where this segment all started – you retained James Campen. That was a big reason as to why he signed with Carolina. And apparently he turned down more money. Um, so Bradley Bozeman coming here. And then you keep a coach on staff that a certain player, a big-time contributor does like. I think that's a big deal. So we'll uh, continue the Carolina Panthers conversation. But coming up next, we do have the Black History Sports Hero of the Day. Yes. A segment that Wes is attacking and he is doing this, not the fact of the day, because that's too short. So he has a hero <laughs> of the day, and he's working on a story that we're going to provide. And then also after that, we'll bring you deal or no deal. Going to lay out a couple of trade proposals, and then you guys can be Mitch Kupchak, and you say yes, no, deal, no deal. We'll do some of that regarding the NBA trade deadline. It all comes after the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Some big recruiting news for South Carolina football fans as they have landed five-star prospects. Nicole's Harbor, who was ranked as the number one athlete in the 2023 class. He chose the Gamecocks over uh, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, his national signing day is finally coming to a close a month and a half later after the early signing day period. So a pretty big get for what you call the cupcakes of the SEC West as Shane Beamer <laughs> continues to exceed expectations in Columbia. Well, every cupcake needs a little bit of icing. So I'm sure that uh, he is providing finding that but no that is a big get I don't believe they've had a five star since Clowney maybe I mean I can't name one if I'm not mistaken I mean I know when they had that great class with uh, Marcus Lattimore and then when they got Clowney and all those guys I think he might be the first five star since those guys this one for Stanford P he tweeted at us he said please discuss this and so we are discussing the five star athlete the number one ranked athlete in the 2023 class so Nicholas Harbor does commit to South Carolina. And I, what kind of icing is the best on cupcakes? Like buttercream? Like vanilla? Buttercream. Buttercream frosting is really I good. I've never had that in my life. It's very good. I wonder good. why you were fat. Me? Yeah. <laughs> I was fat. I'm still, but I still eat a lot. I'm just glad the vertical caught up with the horizontal, man. Mm. It really needed to happen, and I'm glad it did because I still eat ice cream. I'm not a big cake guy, though, what? so cupcakes are fine, but it has to be the right type of frosting. Like, you can have some fake icing on there, and it doesn't taste good. So I'm not a huge cake guy. How do you not like cake? I mean, very What's easily. fake icing? It's like, it's just weird. It's like almost hard. It's not fluffy and light, and that's and, the kind of icing Katawa, that I like. kind of, They call that crystal meth, fake icing. How did you know? It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll be back with Deal or No Deal coming up next.
The Wesson Walker Show is back. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wes Bryan here on your speakers or however else you're listening to me through your earbuds. I hope so. That'd be cre- that, that'd be cool. Listen through your big time speakers like yeah. subwoofers. Yeah. Have that bass coming through. <laughs> yeah, man. No doubt about it. Black History Month starts today, February 1st. Each day I will be bringing you a Black History Sports Hero of the Day. And we keep it Queen City our first guy today how else would i do it you know what you i'm need saying to keep it queen city so we're going to talk about I'm jimmy I'm lee tell you rules on this this is your thing <laughs> far be it for me to tell you the rules on this yeah man so we're going to talk about today jimmy lee kirkpatrick man in 1965 he was a standout running back at the all-black second ward high school he had the option to become one of the first students to desegregate all white myers park and join their football team where he proceeded to score 19 touchdowns during his senior season and was named an All-American. But he was excluded from the All-Star game known as the Shrine Bowl. I got excluded from that, too, not through uh, segregation, but they just they didn't <laughs> pick me. But there was controversy and a legal challenge that followed that decision. Julius Chambers at the high school is now named for uh, was part of that process as well. But the judge ruled that future Shrombos should be integrated. He still was not able to play in that game, but it was an honor to uh, have a scholarship named after him recently. The Charlotte Sports Foundation created a new scholarship bearing his name and the depth of his legacy. Each year, singer, a senior playing football in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools will be awarded this scholarship after being chosen from 19 finalists nominated by each school is called the Jimmy Lee Kirkpatrick Award presented by Dr. Pepper. The award comes with a $10,000 scholarship, a trophy, and recognition at the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Jimmy Lee Kirkpatrick. Yeah, man. You're going into Myers Park. And Myers Park, that's a... Myers Park has since become an absolute powerhouse. With although, are they still a powerhouse anymore? I don't even know if I call them a powerhouse. I mean, they were a good program, but they never got the state. Did they really not? No, nah, they Drake never got May the state, man. Chambers, oh no, nah, Chambers, we got rid of that easy. I'm telling you right now, very uh, the, the Drake two, man. And crew. I've, I've said it a million times. The two best high school athletes I ever saw was Drake May playing yeah. quarterback, first throw, but yeah. then dude, Quavarius Crouch, yeah, man, and Harding, crazy. yeah, Charlotte's very. Um, cyclical with the teams that run it. We went from West Charlotte era to the Independence era. Then we went from Independence to Butler, Butler to Mallet Creek, and then Mallet Creek to what is now Julius Chambers. And then they've kind of taken a little bit of a step back. So we'll see who does that. But shouts to Jimmy Lee Kirkpatrick. Uh, the Shrombo was a game I used to go to a lot all of the time. Uh, so for him to desegregate that game, that is a pretty cool accomplishment, and shout out to the kids who get nominated for that scholarship each and every year, man. That's, right. uh, that's pretty tremendous. I want to put some imaging behind that. Yeah. What song do you want? What what song? What what kind of? We, I was going to say, let me think about, about that. I, yeah, I, I'll know. get back to you. Let me think about that. All right, let me know. That is your Black History Sports Hero of the Day. Yes, sir. We've got some imaging for this next segment, Okay. and it's time with the NBA trade deadline approaching to play some deal or no deal, and I'm Howie Man Mail. That's how we're going to roll. All right. The next, I didn't get anything. See, now I know how you feel, Fiddy. I was trying to get some kind of laugh there, but I couldn't get any sympathy from nobody. Here's the first deal I'm going to throw at you. It's between Charlotte and Brooklyn. The Hornets would give up Mason Plumley and Jalen McDaniels. Okay. Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels going to Brooklyn, and you would get in exchange Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, Fiddy, your boy, 
and a 2026 Nets second round pick. Cam Thomas, Aaron Sharp, 2026 Nets second round pick. Wes, we'll go to you first. Deal or no deal if you're Mitch Kupchak? I would say if this deal were offered to me and I am Mitch Kupchak, I would say nope. Uh, seven points per game. One rebound, one assist. I know De'Ron Sharp, he may have a lot of potential, but, you know, he plays the game in a way that is not really played like that. I don't know how much he comes and helps you, especially with you having Nick Richards and uh, my man Mark Williams. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and a second-round pick, nah, I'm good. Biddy, what do you think? Do you want to bring De'Ron Sharp home alongside Cam Thomas and a net second-round pick in exchange for Mason Plumlee and Jalen McDaniels? I think I do because I know what Cam Thomas can be. He could be a guy that can come off the bench and and, and provide you a bucket. He finally smiled the other day for the first time. Yes, hilarious. All season long. Dayron Sharp, he's just an energy guy. He's going to play rebound. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to play defense. Do all the dirty work for you. And then we know, you know, Mitch Kupchak loves those second-round picks. Assuming he's the GM moving forward, might as well add another to the crop. I would say no, and it's just because of how much I value Jalen McDaniels. Uh, Cam Thomas, as as much as he has the ability to fill it up, offensively he can certainly score. If if he's not efficient, he's not doing anything else to help you. He just he's not playing defense. He's not assisting. He's not doing anything else. Block percentage. I'm sure you're going to bring that up. I don't think that's going to be very good for him. Anything. So oh, I know. I can see it. I can see it about to come out of your mouth. I'm not going to do that deal. Said. Oh, that's brutal. All right, let's move on to the next one very quickly. Charlotte would send Kelly Oubre to the L.A. Lakers. And in exchange, you would get Pat Beverly, whose contract is expiring. Just keep that in mind. So Kelly Oubre to the Lakers for Pat Bev and the 2025 Lakers second round pick. Mitch Kupchak, Wes Bryant, deal or no deal? Uh, to get an expiring salary and a second-round pick, if my goal is to just continue on in the Wimby sweepstakes, I would say yes, I would do this uh, to get him out of here. You would hate to see him go, but to get that salary off of the books, and you know that he's a free agent coming up, having a career season as far as points per game. So you know in the NBA they give out the bags pretty freely if you're somewhat productive. So you can imagine Kelly Oubre is going to want a lot of money that the Hornets do not need to pay him. So I'd say yes. What do you think, Fiddy? Kelly Oubre for Pat Bev in a 2025 Lakers second round pick. Deal or no deal? Uh, I'm saying no deal. First off, I think you can get more for for Kelly Oubre than a headache in Pat Beverly. And then I don't know if I want to bring that type of locker room cancer into into my team that is as young with guys like LaMelo Ball on the roster. I don't think he's a lot. I think people, he's one of those guys that is the old cliche. If he's on your team, you absolutely love him. And if you're playing against him, you hate him. But in reality, all this trade is, is getting an extra second round pick. Because Kelly Oubre. Yeah, Kelly Kelly Oubre's off the books. Pat Bev is going to come off of the books. So you don't have any long lasting salaries. I do agree with you, though. I will say no deal. In the sense that you can get something more. Even with Kelly Oubre being injured, maybe I'm naive on this. I think you can get something more, even with Oubre being injured. But it'd be real dicey to say no to this because it's a real big risk. You might not be able to do that. Um, All right, last one very quickly. Um, Ben Simmons and Joe Harris 
In exchange for Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre, and Mason Plumley going back to Brooklyn, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, in exchange for Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre, and Mason Plumley. Deal or no deal? No, 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 and more no. I do not want Ben Simmons here making all that money. Guy that doesn't really want to play basketball like that. There's always something wrong with him. The mental health, I'm certainly sensitive to that. But these injuries, and it's just always something with this guy. He's a walking cancer in the locker room. Joe Harris is a great shooter. Um, but he's not going to give you much defense either. The Hornets have shooters. So, no, I'd say no, no, and no. That, that that would make Brooklyn just a powerhouse if they got this deal. What do you think, Fitty? Oh, I'm saying yes because, first off, I love what Ben Simmons can be when his back wow. doesn't hurt on, on, on whatever day he wakes up during the week. But more importantly, you get rid of Gordon Hayward's contract. You get Mason Plumley gone, which clears the room for Mark Williams to really – grow and develop and then I think you're getting more value for Kelly Oubre if you ship him out so I say yes I'm saying no to this deal Ben Simmons contract is worse. you want to pay 37 and 40 million over the next two seasons to Ben Simmons yeah I mean the contract's worse for Ben what? Simmons and I just don't want to allocate 40 million dollars in two years to a guy that is not going to be a top offensive option for you as good as defensively as he can be you negate that when you can't get on the floor so I'm going to say no deal to the Ben Simmons one all right let's go to Scott Fowler Charlotte Observer columnist he was at the press conference yesterday he's going to join us in just a few moments wesson walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz